congratulations. You found it. The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing. Starring the original book divas, Martha Steele, Vonnie Golden, and special guest, Alyssa Mann, the queen of romance. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination, one book at a time. They are three book girls. All right. How's everybody's hearing? Very good. Wait. What I'm are you doing? <laughs> Bonnie needs a nap. I can't find the hole. That's what she that's said. What she said. <laughs> Actually, that's what he said. Scott's going to love us so much. Oh, my gosh. So I'm watching the Great British Baking Challenge again. Show. Show. Again. Yes. <laughs> And the in season five, they have so many phallic-shaped references and jokes. Really? And in the British Baking Challenge? Yeah, there I didn't so even many. Show, I didn't even realize. Show, great British Baking Show. <laughs> I didn't even realize it until I watched it this season. I'm like, how did I miss all these penises jokes? If you ever want penises jokes, pe- penis jokes. to watch a show that has <laughs> just an insane amount of innuendos, but also nobody... Um, Nobody reacts? Nobody reacts at all, which is very frustrating. It's Netflix put it up a couple weeks ago, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's this glass-blowing like reality series, and it's a competition. Oh, oh my God. Really? It's just rolling. Did somebody make a glass dildo under or something? No, but just all of the all the tools they use. <laughs> I mean, and you're They're blowing just a for lot a living. Of sexual phrases. The thing that they like put the glass in because you know they have like it's like that contained like fire thing. It's called a glory hole. <laughs> it is. So they say that about ninety-seven times an episode, and no one reacts. That's just the tip of the iceberg for that's that show. Just the tip. It's just the tip. Yeah. Sometimes you it, need more than the tip. It was hysterical. They also make beautiful things, which is really cool. But it's like they're making beautiful things in the glory hole. In the glory hole. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Good things happen in the glory right. hole. The person I liked didn't win. I don't know anything about glass blowing, but it was a great like eight episodes. Well, I kind of looked at that. I kind of was thinking I might watch you it. You need to watch it. Oh, here he is. Flashy lights. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. It's nice to finally talk to you guys. I know. You sound exactly like I thought you would. Really? So it's funny because I hate the sound of my voice. My voice doesn't sound anything like I think I sound. You know how you, this voice you hear in your head? Yeah. And then you hear it on a recording or something. You're like, oh, man, that's what I sound like? Really? Do you think you sound like James Bond? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My voice in my head sounds more energetic and... um, higher and then i hear my recorded voice and i'm like oh my lord <laughs> whatever so, anyway we like your voice we think it sounds just well, fine thank you you're the first you. you're our first ma- male actually first and only male um world tour guest yep and i'm, I'm very honored by that I've, I've been listening to you guys for probably about a year and i get a huge kick out of your podcast and I do have a buddy who also listens, who's in that fast-growing 40- to 60-year-old male demographic. Woo! That, uh, That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I love you guys. I, when, I, when I first started looking for podcasts, I tried a couple of other book podcasts. I had Googled, you know, best book reading podcast type mm-hmm. of thing, and the first couple I tried were dreadfully boring. 
and I mm. thought, wow, this is what people who don't like books probably think of people who read books. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then I stumbled across you guys, and um, I, I thought you were great. So and the rest and the rest is history. Yes, exactly, exactly. And you're actually pretty legendary in our circle too. You know, we well, of course, you know that you listen to the podcast all the time and. We, we reference you frequently. We do. I do, and I get a huge kick out of it. I appreciate <laughs> it. Oh, and, and by the way, sometimes you guys will say it to all our book girls, and, and Martha, you try and say, and our book guys, I, I'm not offended if you forget to mention the book guys. It's okay. I get it. Your listeners are women. It's fine. Well, it's, it, I think it's just because of the um, the name we chose is very... Of course. Yeah. We right. didn't know that at yeah. the time. It's one of those things where when we started this thing out, we had no idea what we were doing. Zero. So we just sort of, <laughs> I think it was Vonnie that came up with the name, actually. I did. Yeah. I did. It's because she was watching Two Broke Girls all the time. Right. At the time. Oh, oh go. my God. And so I was did like, you realize well, what about that Three Broke Girls? That Alyssa's all freaked out now. Did no, you- my oh my God is the indication that I just realized right now. <laughs> <laughs> No, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm not that I'm not that original. I usually get my stuff from other things or I'm, you know, make it up off of other names. No, it worked. It worked. How long did it take you guys before you think you had a pretty significant audience? It's Where, a good... Because obviously the first couple, I mean, you probably don't have a ton of people listening, right? It took us a full year. Yeah, it of, took about a year. Of recording to A, figure it out. And B, to finally get recognized. And that's really what it took. It took somebody to write an article about us. Okay. For it to, for it to really explode. And that was Book Riot. Yeah, Book, Book Riot. When we got on Book Riot, that was, that was what pushed us into the limelight, so to speak. Actually, that article from 2017 is still getting hit. It's because Book well, Riot I, is great. I think that may have been, it may even be how I found you guys. You know, like Googling, I, I, that sounds familiar. Yeah. And yeah. I think I may have even just Googled you know, good book podcast or something and stumbled across that article. So that's how I found you guys. Man, I need to send them a fruit basket or something. I know, right? A basket of, a basket of meaty treats. <laughs> I do something. like my meaty treats. <laughs> Can I ask you guys a question? I've never heard you guys reference, and I know Vani, I think, is single, but do, you, do your significant others all read as well? I've never heard you guys reference your significant others and whether they read or not. Actually, that's a really good question. My husband does read. One of the first conversations we ever had was about books. It was when I was a, uh, my five minutes as a cocktail waitress, which is actually like a month, but it felt like five minutes. (laughs) It should have been five minutes. But um, that that was actually one of the first conversations we ever had was about what you like to read. Because that's kind of my always, it's always been my go-to. I was only 20 years old at the time, but... That was my go-to question. What do you like to read? And he and I have a few crossovers, actually, which is weird because um, he has one of those Kindle Fire devices. And he a lot of times he'll transfer his audiobooks to that when he goes to North Dakota to visit his family or whatever. Because he goes, he's retired, so he goes there a lot now. Oh, okay. So he'll take that, and I was messing with it the other day, and I was going through all the books on there, and he has read a lot of the same books I have, and we don't ever really talk about it that much. But he's read hmm. the, my husband read and loved The Goldfinch. Really? He did. I did not. Can you believe that, Bonnie? I, I wouldn't think that was possible. I know. Knowing Ron, I wouldn't think. But he also likes things like Lee Child, 
which I love, and John Sanford, whom I despise. We have a, a mutual love of James Lee Burke. Okay. The whole time my son was growing up, uh, we listened to Harry Potter all the way from Houston to North Dakota every year. That's cool. So, yeah, yeah that's a, actually a really cool question. Yeah. My ex-husband yeah. did not read at all. No? Okay. Which explains yeah. why why he's the ex-husband. <laughs> yeah. I'm single and no. don't date, so whoever they are, they're not reading. <laughs> <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> We need to get Alyssa hooked up with a bookman. Oh, no, we don't. <laughs> I, I feel like more women read a lot than men. I know more. I have more women in my life that read than men, although my wife's not a big reader either, um, which bums me out. But um, it is what it is, which is one of the reasons I seek out things like you guys, because I can't really talk about books with my wife because she doesn't want to hear it. Finds the books boring. Dang it. She, she would be mad at me for telling you this story, but when we were dating, I was trying to get her to read. Not because I don't think less of people who don't, but when you love something, you want other people to enjoy it and benefit from it. And I got her to read a couple of books. Um, I think Michael Connolly or. Oh, I love uh, Michael Connolly. Grissom. Yeah, Grissom. So it was one of those types. And so a couple of years later, I would reference, well, Jennifer's not much of a reader. And she would say, I read, I read. You know, she goes, remember I read that blue book? <laughs> I would say, honey, nobody who reads says, do you remember that blue book I read? That's not how you describe a book if you're a reader. But, yeah. That's a very, very good point. That's yeah, funny. So anyway. So tell us about where you live. I live in well. I live in Brockport, New York. There's a college right here, and uh, one of the state schools for New York. It's I'm about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York, and about an hour from Buffalo, New York. About an hour and a half from Niagara Falls. So, um, upstate New York. Yeah, that's nice and yeah, cool. buddy. That's about where I used yeah. to live. Me too. Yeah. And see, I've yeah, got, see, I've got three it's people back. here. And <laughs> after talking to you today, I'll probably be talking in an accent for the rest of the day. <laughs> so where did you live, Bonnie? Um, I lived right off of Chautauqua Lake. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. About 60 miles away from Buffalo and about 40 miles okay. away from Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you were south of Buffalo? Yeah, right? just south of Buffalo. Yeah. Right. What about you, Alyssa? What's your... I was born in Plattsburgh, New York. Oh, yeah. So you're really up upstate. Like yes. That's, yeah, that's way up there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How I was... long did you live there? Would you live there as a kid or you were just born up there? We were only there for about two and a half years because they closed the Air Force Base down. And so we had to move. Yeah. Interesting. I was... I, was, I was born on a naval base in Virginia, actually. Awesome. But my parents moved to upstate when I was young, so... Hmm. I have looked it up, and Plattsburgh and Brockport are five and a half hours apart. Yeah. So if you were yeah. if you were to give us a tour of your area, what would you take us to see? Uh, interesting. So it's actually a beautiful area, except for the weather. We have the Finger Lakes, which I, which Bonnie and uh, Alyssa have probably heard of, which mm -hmm. they call them the lakes because it looks like a handprint on the state. Um, so they've got all these really nice little lakes. And then we're also close to the Great Lakes, Ontario. Um, you know, we've got the Adirondacks not too far away. We've got some cool restaurants. Um, how so, about how about great bookstores? You got anything that, that we'd like to so see? I have a little bookstore, you know, individually owned right in my town. Awesome. Um, and then, of course, we have a huge Barnes & Nobles about 15 minutes from my house. I feel bad because I buy a lot of used books. So 
So that's not ba- that's not bad. You're still so- well. Environmentally, it's the right thing to do, right? And it it's, is. It's yes. Less expensive and, right, and you're I, so you're saving that book. That's exactly. So I love used books. I like to own my books, which drives my wife crazy. I don't throw them out, and I like hardcover. <laughs> so, but I, I don't mind used books. So I buy used books on the internet all the time for like three, four bucks, and they ship them right to my house. I love it. So, hey, you got to do what you got to do for your book. For your book life, you know, I, I, exactly. I your probably read ninety percent of my books on on the library app, and then I go buy them. Yeah, just to save my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a new like. There's authors I love, and when they have a new book coming out, I do make a point to go to the bookstore and buy it. So I feel like I am supporting authors, you know, in some ways. But mm-hmm. I love you. Just to say, one of my favorite reviews, real quick, was one of the first times I listened to you guys. Was Martha? You, I'm not a big science fiction guy. No offense. But That's all right. You reviewed a book, and I don't remember the book, but you said something to the effect of, "It's about a cab driver, and he's driving around, and he's got these talking cockroaches in his car, or something." <laughs> oh, oh my god, I remember that book. That was the wonder that was ours. Oh my! I can't believe you remember the name of it. Oh, and it's the all, only all book. Was like, was that the blue book? <laughs> it's the yeah, only. Exactly. It's the only book I've ever read that has talking cockroaches in it. <laughs> well, what was funny is when you mentioned talking cockroaches, the girls are like, "Uh, really? And you're like, no, no, it's not like what you think. It's not like a normal talking cockroach book. And I'm thinking, what would be a normal talking cockroach book? So that was one of the very first times I listened to you guys, and I thought it was hilarious. So. Oh, that's funny. I'm, I'm really glad that that captured you enough to keep you as a regular listener. <laughs> Exactly. You had me at that. You had me at the talking cockroach. You had well, me at cockroach. At least it wasn't the dolphin sex one, so. Yeah. Do you remember? Uh, I, do, do, I you... do vaguely remember you talking about that. <laughs> that one was awful. Oh, my God. That was awful. But the talking cockroaches book was actually really good. So there you go. What do you do, by the way? What's your What's your, uh, your job? I'm, I'm in medical sales. I actually sell a wearable defibrillator for patients that are at high risk of sudden cardiac death. Dang, that's cool, Scott. It, it is pretty cool. And it's I drive around in my car all day. My car is my office, so I have a very nice feature that I get to listen to books a lot when I'm working, which is obviously fantastic. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I'm very jealous. I prefer to read, but I prefer to just have a book. But for all the hours in my car, it's too much time not to take advantage of it. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, so why don't we start off with you? You get to be the first. All right, cool. So when you guys first reached out to me and said, hey, pick a book, I'm thinking, oh, my God, how do I just pick one book and where do I start? And <laughs> um, So I, I thought about it for a day or two, and I ultimately decided there was three things I was looking for. One was something that maybe is not that common because there's no point in me picking, you know, Da Vinci Code or something everyone's already familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be really well written, even though some books aren't fantastic written, you still enjoy them. And I thought it would be something a little more serious. Just um, So once I kind of decided those were my criteria, I thought of two or three books and decided on a book called Witness by Whitaker Chambers. I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of it? It was it uh, sounds, a very famous book. It sounds ago. very familiar to me, but I don't know that I've read it. So it's an autobiography. It was published in 1952, and it's a obviously a true story, it's not a biography, but about somebody who grew up in the United States, very bright, went to Columbia University, but ended up becoming a full-fledged communist and working in the communist underground. 
and um, ultimately then breaking with communism, seeing the, the, the problems of communism, and then testifying against other communists, which is why the title Witness. Um, it's just incredible. Whoa. And um, Whitaker Chambers ended up being a senior editor at Time Magazine, so I mean, he's a fantastic writer. So it's just so beautifully told, and um, he, he opens the book. And I'll just read one sentence, if you don't mind, or one or two. He opens the book as a letter to his children, because you can imagine if your children growing up in the 40s and 50s, and it comes out that your father's a communist, what that would probably do to their life and to his wife's life and, and all that. And so he says in this opening letter to his children, he says, I'm writing a book. In it, I'm speaking to you, but I'm also speaking to the world. To both, I owe an accounting. And I just love that. He was basically, you know, owning what the mistakes he made and, and um, kind of apologizing to his children. And the book was really written almost to his children about his life and trying to explain what he had done, knowing that he's probably caused them a lot of damage because of what they were going to have to go through with people knowing their father was a communist working against the United States. So, Wow. Uh, that would be yeah. tough. He, he, he grew up in a troubled house. His mother was neurotic. Um, his parents separated, which was less common back then. Um, his older brother, who he really looked up to, killed himself when he was 22 years old. Um, so this really kind of sent him in a tailspin, understandably so. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of looking for answers. And he read a book by Lenin called Soviets at Work, which really appealed to him. And he then started working for the Daily Worker um, and New Masses, which are both communist um, newspapers. Um, and then he was approached to work in the underground with communist cells against the government. Um, so, I mean, he was never a James Bond. He was never carrying a gun, but he was passing secrets and doing espionage in that way. Um, and so it, it's, to me it's fascinating how he became a communist, and then it's fascinating what made him realize that that was not the path to go. Um, and it was Stalin's purges of killing thousands and thousands of people uh -huh. that ultimately soured him. And then there was a, a friend of his who was a, a communist who then he thought kind of broke with communism, who he believed had been assassinated. And that was kind of the final straw um, where he realized this is wrong. But imagine how hard that is, too, because all of his friends were communists. Like, you know, and so you're 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 turning on all of your friends. And so it was really hard for him. And so he goes through all of that. Um, and then that all leads to him being the key witness in one of the most famous trials in U.S. history, which is um, – the trial against Alger Hiss, who is the highest-ranking Soviet spy in U.S. government history. Wow. And, yeah, it's just insane. And this guy, Alger Hiss, was one who was it presided over the United Nations Charter Conference, which helped negotiate with Russia after World War II. Hmm. So Truman and Roosevelt had somebody negotiating with Russia who was a Russian asset, which obviously <laughs> is not ideal. So when he finally kind of starts trying to bring everyone's attention to this, there's a lot of pushback. Nobody really wants to hear that they've been made to look like fools. And 
So anyway, it ends up leading to this courtroom drama that he, and he has obviously all the transcripts from the testimony of him and Elder Hiss, and it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, it sounds fascinating. Yeah, and it's so well told. Um, believe it or not, there's a story about, I don't know how to pronounce it. Are any of you guys bird watchers? I'm not a bird watcher. Um, I know a little about birds, but I'm not a bird watcher. So there's this prothonotary warbler or something that is a key, believe it or not, his knowledge of that was a key piece of evidence hmm. um, because Elder Hiss was a big bird watcher and, and he knew this about Elder Hiss and Elder Hiss was trying to claim he never knew Whitaker Chambers and um, and there's something called the Pumpkin Papers, what Whitaker ends up finally bringing forth that really proves he's telling the truth. They hmm. call it the Pumpkin Papers and because he had hid them in a pumpkin. Whoa. <laughs> so anyway, it's just this great, incredible courtroom situation, and you've got senators and congressmen grilling them. Um, Richard Nixon was very involved in this trial. It's actually what helped Richard Nixon become famous, and ultimately, if it wasn't for this, probably doesn't become Eisenhower's VP. And um, there's Supreme Court justices testifying against Whitaker Chambers. So, I mean, he really felt like, he was by himself, and he had all these powerful people trying to destroy him. And um, it's 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 a it's a really cool book. So sounds super intense. I bet Bonnie would love it. I bet I would. Well, <laughs> I mean, no what's not to love? Bonnie tends to read the books that I tend to read. So yes, <laughs> of all of you guys, I definitely think Bonnie would like it the most. There's no aliens or Martians. I apologize. Damn it! There's, but there's communists, <laughs> and that is a key factor for me. <laughs> yeah, there's very little romance. I'm sorry, Alyssa. It's okay. Um, he does love his wife. He loves his wife, but I don't think he goes into it in great detail. So. <laughs> well, that's okay. You just can't please everyone all of the time. You, <laughs> exactly. You could exactly. you could try though, Scott. We we'll wait. I, I do. Listen, <laughs> don't be taking away my listeners. <laughs> He is not going to like your sci-fi, even if there's talking cockroaches. Oh, come on. That was a great book. (laughs) It was a great review. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm signing up for the book. But the review was very funny. Gosh, dang, Scott. That was a great recommendation. What was the title and artist of that again? Yeah, so it's called Witness, and it's by Whitaker Chambers. Yay! So to be honest with you, it may not even be in print. So your best bet might be to buy it used off the Internet, but there's certainly copies all over the place. Uh, they or, actually, or library. Or they, library. They do have it at the library. I just looked it up. <laughs> okay, cool. She's already putting cool. it on her wish list. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd be shocked, Bonnie, if you didn't like it, knowing you love, I know you love World War II, and yeah, so I, I would be very surprised if you didn't do it. By the way, one warning. His yes. letter is about 15 or 20 pages. I love the way he opens it. It is, he does get extremely philosophical, and it's hard to follow at points. The book is not like that. So, Vani, if you read the first 15 pages and think it's, it's you know, too much like a treaty on communism and don't give up on it, read the book. The book's much easier to read. So. Well, you know, honestly, to read about communism, like, because I've read a lot of books from that time period, and to read the key points of communism, I can understand why it appealed to some people. I mean, yeah. on paper, it looks like very logical, like it should work. Everybody should be happy. But in practice, that's not how it is, as we 
no. Yeah, well, and, and yeah, my take is that if there's no motivation to work hard, if everyone's going to get, then people don't work hard. So it demotivates everybody, and so then society doesn't have enough of stuff, you know. Right. If, if you could have the production of the United States and split it more evenly, it probably would be a nicer system. But the problem is when communism or socialism come in, then you have a lot of people that stop working hard, and all of a sudden you don't have enough food on the shelves and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, what are you working hard? You're not going to benefit from it. Your neighbor is. So you're like, I'm just going to do as little as possible because I'm still right. going to get what I need. Mm. Right. And that's where exactly. the breakdown is. Mm-hmm. You guys are really bringing the fucking room down over here. Really? You say you can buy this book Sorry. on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I looked. You can even get it on Kindle. Really? Yeah. I mean, Alyssa's got the power over there today. I am all powerful. We finally fired up the computer. We used to have Nicole clickety-clacking over there, and Alyssa's never said a word about me logging the computer I mean, I have my phone. Usually, I just do it all on my phone, but I like the clickety-clackety sound of the keys, so. (laughs) (laughs) So, we got it back. It's a good sound. I'm I'm sure you've got some good sci-fi and some romance to tear up the room. Um, Yeah. So. Uh, bring it back. But first, whatever thing Vonnie read will probably be sad. I know. Vonnie always always bad to lead off. She's making a face because well, I'm right. Cool. It's not super sad. There we go. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of a down and out story. It's only, Great. It's only fairly sad. It's only minutely. <laughs> she didn't cry, but she wasn't happy the whole time she read it. <laughs> you see what I deal with over here, Scott? You see what I have to work with? Jeez. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate you taking time out of your Sunday morning uh, to chat with us. And I, Thank you so much. And, and I fun. hope that you'll share your experience with your 40 to 60-year-old men cohorts so that we can uh, bring our numbers up in that demographic. Absolutely. Because Absolute. <laughs> right now we've got you and my dad. <laughs> oh, it's well, Scott's and, friend. And Scott's well, friend. And your friend. What's and Mark. 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 And Mark. He's also a... He's a pharmaceutical rep, too, spends a lot of time in his car, and he loves to read. So, Hey, he Mark. Awesome. How's it going, buddy? Hey, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got at least three. Yay. That's awesome. Yes. Let's go for six. We well, need a double up. Jessica's dad. So, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Jessica's dad falls into that, too. Yeah. So we have four. <laughs> so let's go for eight, then. Damn it. <laughs> I would say I'd recommend it to my dad, but I don't know if I want him listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have a lot to answer for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Scott, I hope you have a fantastic freaking day. And thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. Bye. 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 Martha, you were talking earlier, and I actually have an author recommendation for you. Really? Just real fast. So you talked about James Lee Burke. Yes. And that reminded me that one of my favorite mystery writers, who I think you would like, is Jan Burke who sits next to him on the bookshelf. Because when I used to look for her books, I was like, who is James Lee Burke? <laughs> He's really amazing. Jan Burke is also I amazing. What if they're related? Is there I an E on the end of her name? Or is it a... Yeah, there's an E on the end of the name. I think Burke is a very popular yeah, last it name. Is. I actually have and a I friend think, named Susan Burke. Yeah. It, that was my doctor's name growing up. really like Burke. her. I will try her. She writes really, like, really good mystery stories. She's what first got me into mysteries when I was in high school. I actually picked her book up randomly off the shelf the first time I ever went to a Half Price Books in Dallas. Awesome. I was just like, oh, this looks good. And then 
I became obsessed. Jan Burke. I'm looking her up right now. I just couldn't keep that in because I never have recommendations for you. I guess I'll have to look next time I go to the bookstore. I'm sure they have them. She was pretty popular for a while, so like she's pretty easy to find. Cool. Yay. Thank you. Awesome. All right, Vonnie. Tell review? me something sad. All right. Sorry, I was just, I've been thinking about that while Scott was talking. I was like, no, that's not talking about my dad watching the podcast. Watching? What is he, a synesthesia or something? He's going to watch the radio as he listens to it. Okay. Watch his phone. (laughs) (laughs) Bug eyes. Oh my God, what she just say? He's like, what? I'm going to have to spank her. Veronica, (laughs) (laughs) this is your father. (laughs) What you're talking about is not appropriate for general consumption. That is the kind of thing we keep just in the household. <laughs> Outside people do not need to know that. Outside people. <laughs> <sighs> okay. You're going to embarrass yourself in front of your father today? Her books aren't Bye. embarrassing. No, they aren't. No. No, no, no. This She's isn't more worried like, about what I'm going to say. <laughs> I mean, it does have sex in it, but <gasps> it's not graphical in any way. Okay. I read... Out of the Easy by Ruta Sipites. And she's the one that wrote Between Shades of Grey that I loved so much. This was a different style than Between Shades of Grey. Between Shades of Grey is super, super sad. I mean, heart-wrenchingly. Ridiculously sad? Yeah, like reaching down your throat, grabbing your heart, and throwing it across the room kind of sad. This isn't quite as sad, but there's a lot of sad elements but the way that the story's told, it's not quite as depressing, if mm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is set in New Orleans in 1950, and the main character, Josie Moraine, is the daughter of a prostitute. And she works at a cat house in New Orleans. Um, her mom's just basically a piece of shit, <laughs> to tell you the truth, because... She's just not really a mother. The, um, is it the madam they call that runs the cat house? Okay, the madam of the cat house is really more of a mother to her. I mean, she actually even goes to her graduation and and everything else, which her mom went to one of her parent-teacher conferences is the only thing that her mother ever went to. And I want to say she was like middle schoolish when she did. And the only reason she went is because she heard that one of the teachers was really cute and had money. And she showed up for this parent-teacher conference in a full-length fur coat and heels and nothing else. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So this is the kind of person her mother is. So um, Josie does not get very much parenting, but she's a very old soul. So she starts hiding and sleeping at a bookstore when she's about 11 years old because she doesn't want to be at home anymore. Not that there's like a whole lot of abuse other than neglect. I mean, her mom slaps her a few times, but not like extreme abuse, if that makes, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and then the owner of the bookstore kind of figures out that, you know, this little girl is hiding in the bookstore to sleep and everything. And he, um, knows who she is, knows that she's the daughter of a prostitute, and he hires her to work at the bookstore and um, refurbishes the office upstairs as a small apartment for her to live in. So she basically doesn't live at home anymore after the age of 11. And um, then you kind of, like, speed ahead to when she's 
graduated high school. She's like 18. She has these dreams of wanting to go to college and make more of her life than what, you know, she has right now. And of course, circumstances never work in your favor when you're that poor and already have a reputation. And I mean, she's a very straight person. She, you know, she doesn't commit crimes. She doesn't work at the cat house other than cleaning it. She cleans the cat house, but that's it. And um, then her mom gets involved in a mobster and um, somebody ends up dead and mom skips town. And then mobster boss hunts down Josie because her mom has borrowed all of this money or not borrowed the money, but bought an alibi from the mob leader and then didn't pay her bill before she left town. So then Josie's trying to deal with all of this, plus, you know, trying to get into this college that she really wants to go to and then just trying to live her life. And it's just, it's a very good story. I'm not going to go any more into it because I've probably given away more than what I probably should. But just to understand where she's sitting in this story and then more things happen and you're just like, wow. <clears throat> it was inter- It was good. It was really good. When I very first started reading it, because the writing style is different than Between Shades of Grey, I didn't know if I was going to like it, but I really did end up liking it. Hmm. It's written almost like frog music. I loved frog, kind frog of music. Because, you know, that the main character in frog music has like this, this bad past and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're not really... You know, they're kind of stuck in their situation that they're in, Mm -hmm. but it's not written in such a way that it's intensely sad. It's more of a little bit of an, I don't want to say upbeat, but Hmm. yeah, but it was good. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. And there is, um, not quite at the end of the book, but near the end of the book, there is a twist that changes everything for her. Twists are good. That I'm not going to say. Good. But yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it. I wish I could remember who um, who told me about this at the uh, live event. Oh. But I don't remember. So Jessica probably has it written down. I'm sure. Jessica's very much more organized than I am. <laughs> she wrote them all down, so I'm sure that she's got it. She probably didn't write down who recommended them. No, though. she didn't. That's mm. true. So shout that person out, Bonnie. Yeah, so yeah, hey, you if, person. If if you're the one who recommended this book, good job. I loved it. And uh, that was Out of the Easy by Ruta Sepetis. Alyssa. Is it my turn? Are you going to bring the room up? Somebody has to. Yeah. Okay. I always bring the room up. And Almost always, except I mean, she does do time, a lot except of Except that one time I read the book about <laughs> communist Russia. <laughs> uh, so this week I read Happy Trail by Daisy Prescott. I have reviewed a book of hers before on this podcast. Um, I really love her. She's a great writer. And so this book recently came out. And the main character of the story is Olive, and she is hiking from the beginning to the end of the Appalachian Trail, which, if you don't know, starts in Maine and ends all the way down in Georgia. And so she begins this journey with her boyfriend, kind of in the middle. They don't. They're going to hike north up into Maine and then back down. It's a little weird what they've decided to do. 
Um, but she's kind of surprised they're going on this trip because he's not super outdoorsy and neither is she. They're big city people. And but one of his jobs is that he's an Instagram influencer. And so he's able to get all these beautiful pictures and he gets most of their trip paid for because all of these companies want to use him for advertising. So they send them all the gear they need, like hiking poles and boots and packs and mm. food and stuff like that. And they're kind of taking the glamping route, like when they stop for the day. A lot of times they're, you know, stopping at a hotel and having someone else cook their food. And mm -hmm. so they're That's not... That's the way I like to camp. <laughs> that is the only way I would camp. <laughs> I mean, I would never do this anyway. Um, so, but one day out of the blue, he proposes to her and... But he's doing it and he's filming it at the same time because he's gone on Instagram live oh, no. to shoot this proposal. And Olive is like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> and she says no. And he is furious with her. The ring gets kind of, I'm not going to say flung, <gasps> but thrown a little bit. Off a cliff. Oh, no. And she turns him down, and he storms off, and he leaves her stranded there. He oh does not God. come back for her. So he leaves her on the trail and does not come back. What an ass. Holy shit. But Olive is kind of one of those people that's like, well, I kind of started this. I kind of want to finish it. And so she kind of goes back to the hotel she was staying at, gathers the rest of her stuff, and she's decided to kind of do this the hardcore way she's gonna you know camp at campsites and you know cabins along the way and she's huh. going to finish this which is really admirable and also to me really weird <laughs> you don't understand it at all do you? i don't mm. that's okay so I really like this book because I'm going to get a little nerdy. It takes two really big literary risks. And so you just heard me talk about Olive's not fiance. Well, this is a romance novel. Mm -hmm. And so our other main character is Jay, and he is a park ranger based out of Tennessee. They don't meet until 20% into the book, which is a really, really big risk to take in romance because... The purpose of the story is that they get together. Right. And I think there are some people who aren't going to like this because it's not just instant. But I think that what Daisy did was really good and that you really get a feel for both of these characters, especially for Olive. Like, you get a great feeling of, like, who she is and what guides her and why she's doing what she's doing. She's kind of... So she's from a very famous political family, and she is kind of known for being flighty. She has been engaged six times. Damn. Oh, man. Which is a lot of times. Mm. That's a lot. Yes. Well, I'm glad she finally decided that she was going to take a step back, because it sounds like that's what she did. Yeah. With that latest one, where she was like, hey, wait a minute, I've done this six times, maybe uh, I should maybe pay attention to this. Yeah. And, uh, no, you're going to Instagram live this because well, you think yeah, I'm definitely going to say yes. Because especially because we're now in an age where I, 
I think a lot of people get engaged. It's not a surprise because people are talking about, is this what we want? Is this the next step for us? Mm -hmm. Like, are we going to get engaged? Are we going to get married? Yeah. And he does this just out of the blue. Oof. Like, she has no indication it's coming at all. It's not something they've ever talked about. Mm. Um, but yeah. so literary risk number one was great. Um, cause I don't mind when they don't meet right off the bat and to really settle in that like first fifth of the book and really get into it is a sign of a really good romance author because we're so used to being like, oh, they meet in the first or second chapter or maybe the third chapter. Cause a lot of them go like they switch points of view. And so you've got like chapter one introduction to character one, chapter two character introduction number two, and then they meet in the third one. Um, but the second one is so when Olive and Jay finally meet, they meet because there's really bad weather in Tennessee and it's early. So it's in October, kind of like here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so there's going to be a really big snowstorm. And um, because he's a park ranger, part of his task is, you know, getting people off the trails when weather is getting bad. Um, and so he goes out and they know she's up there. And so someone just has to go get her and bring her back down. Um but it takes them a while to find her. And so they end up having to bunk in this cabin and they don't go anywhere for two days. Mm -hmm. So you just got two characters sitting in one room for two days. Yeah. And it's really, really hard to make that work. Yeah. And to move the plot forward without your characters physically moving forward in any way. And I thought it was really well done. Hmm. I really, really liked this book. I thought it was a little different. Um, Daisy does kind of like quieter romance, which I really like sometimes. And it was a really enjoyable read. I read it, I think it took me a day and a half because I was just so excited to be going through it. So I highly recommend it. I think that this one would even be good for people who are either dipping their toe into romance or maybe aren't as into romance but maybe want to read a love story and don't want to like get all the way in there with it um but so that was happy trail by daisy prescott awesome it actually sounds really good it's it does, good it was yeah. really cute. even me you've even got me interested you yeah know it's good yeah. if you got me interested because one thing with whenever i read a romance it's just it's like you said it's like the two main characters meet, they get together, they fall in love. I mean, that's and, the point. Right. But it's so predictable. Mm -hmm. So this, with her not even meeting the person that she's, that the romance is with until into the book a little ways and there being a failed romance at the beginning that keeps you a little on your toes and there's more character building. Because mm -hmm. that's one thing is you don't get in, you don't get very much character building because the whole book is just about the relationship and not so much about the actual characters. Yeah. It was really good. I was really taken aback because I don't like things about the outdoors and I really enjoyed this. So, you know, and you just kind of glaze over and you're like, I'm reading about this, but I'm not super interested. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was really good. Awesome. Cool. cool. What I'm, did you read? Well, I'm going to surprise everyone today. It was a romance. No. Historical <laughs> fiction. Okay. About World War II. No, not really, actually. And the Communist Party. Was no. it the tattooist of ours? <laughs> I mean, no. that's a romance? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to read any of those things. But uh, what I am going to review is called Confessions by Kane Minato. And she I don't know if I pronounced that right. She is a Japanese writer of crime fiction and uh, thrillers. 
This was her first novel, and she won the Japanese Booksellers Award for it. And there's also a movie, which was nominated for an Academy Award. Oh, awesome. But the reason that this is unusual, well, it's a Japanese novel for starters, so it's in translation. So sometimes that can be tricky. I've tried to read a few different Japanese novels, and they don't always translate well. Mm -hmm. This one was particularly good, but in the first just little bit of the book, I didn't know if I was going to like it or not. Mm -hmm. But I quickly became just obsessed with it because, well, for one thing, it begins and the main character is a teacher. And she begins on the last day of school and she is in front of her class and she is teaching her class with her last lecture and she tells a story to the class and the the story is about how her daughter was murdered by one of the students in or two of the students in her class what yeah like currently in yes. her class like yes. sitting and listening no. to sitting and listening yes it, it it i mean so quickly i was all ears it was really interesting how she did this because she told the story and it was shocking in parts. And then you kind of find out the points of view of some of the other characters. And it was just so this this novel was such a breath of fresh air for a crime novel mm. that I just was riveted by it. It was it was such a surprising Okay, I'll give you part of this because it's fairly early on in in the story that you find this out. So she says, okay, there are two people in here who are killers. You, you, you know, they killed my daughter. And then towards the end of her lecture that she gives, you find out that there's this milk program that was a... Um, requirement for her class they were doing some sort of a study where they gave the children milk every day and she had to keep track of who drank the milk and who didn't drink the milk and whatnot so after everyone is all read this is at the end of the day so they've already had their milk for the day um you find and she says at the end of her little speech she tells everybody that her ex-husband the daughter or the daughter's father has AIDS. And the reason that becomes important is that she has taken his blood and put it in the milk of the two people who killed her daughter. I wish people could see my face right now because I made a big old face at you. <laughs> I know. It's it's very shocking. And you follow the story Throughout this, you see the, the people who committed the crime, you find out what happened, and you find out how that thing affected their lives after the fact. And this thing is twisting all over the place. But man, I was absolutely into it. It was so, so good. I gave this thing five stars, and I would highly recommend that anybody who's into really good mysteries read it. I mean, it was, I thought it was fantastic. It, it is a little difficult to get into the whole Japanese style of writing because it's, 
it's just the translation. You know, mm-hmm. it's just the, the, the culture's a little different. There are things that just are not the same for us as they are for them. And so, I don't know, it's just, I, I thought it was just fantastic. I, would, I didn't know what to expect going into it. Honestly, I don't even remember why I ended up reading this book. Probably one of those things where it was in the library and I put it on hold because it sounded good and wow. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you lost me at the whole blood in the milk thing. Mm-mm. All I'm saying is think about how you would behave. All I'm saying is that um, that's a crime. Well, yeah, of course it's a crime. And she just confessed it to a whole... She did. And so nobody... How did she did not go to jail? Anything. It's in Japan. It's a different culture. Um, people, I don't know. I thought it was fantastic just watching the whole thing unwind. Mm. And watching the way those, because the boys come back to school the following year, even though the teacher's not there. Huh? Wait, they don't go to jail? No, she never tells anybody. That's her revenge. She has her revenge on the killers of her daughter and then just walks away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She comes back later in the story and you kind of get some more details. But holy fuck, man, dark, very, very dark. It sounds dark. It's not the same as here. You can't you can't put the same um, restrictions on the book as you would if you're an American. You have to take a step back and be Japanese for a minute when you're reading it. Which Bonnie's not going to do. She's like, fuck no, I'm not reading this. It doesn't sound plausible. <laughs> well, I mean, I probably won't read it, but yeah. I, I'm sorry for anybody who's from Japan, but some of the Japanese cultures, at least in the past, I know. I know you're not a big fan. Brutal. I know. Brutal. I know you're not a big fan of it. But honestly, it's interesting to read books like this because what it does is it forces you to see things through the eyes of a different people, you know, different situations and... Right. And then put yourself in their spot. If somebody... If somebody killed my son, what would I do? And uh, the authorities weren't doing anything about it and you had a way to get revenge on those people. But it, that's a very moral... I know. It's totally... It's I'm a not very saying, moral gray I'm, area. I'm not saying it's a good thing. But what I'm saying is is it was a fantastic read. If you just sit back and watch it and and read the whole thing, it was just... I just found it fascinating. Hmm. I mean, clearly, I'm not going to go out and break the law if somebody does something to my child. Um, that's not my personality. That's not how I would do it. But it was fantastic to read about the way this whole thing unfolded. It was, it was, wow, amazing. I loved mm-hmm. it. I thought it was great. So if you're interested in reading this book, it's called Confessions. And I know that I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, but Kane. Minato. So speaking of teachers, Alyssa, don't you <laughs> have a story for us? Good segue. So um, I love to go to concerts. Yes, we knew this about you. And a couple weeks ago, I went and saw Andy Grammer at the Jones Assembly, which is a venue here in Oklahoma City, 
where everything, it's all general admission. So you kind of mill around, stand wherever you want. And so at the Jones Assembly, they have a full bar and they have some great frosé. And so what's frosé? Frozen rosé. Frosé? Really? It's like, it's <laughs> that a, sounds like the most yuppie thing. It's on a the wine planet. slushy. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a wine slushy. They call it frosé when you use rosé. I don't know what they they just call it. I don't know a wine slushy when you have white wine. <laughs> International white people wine. are laughing their asses off at us right now. I'm just saying. Okay, it's really good. Go on the frosé. So my friend and I who go to concerts a lot together, especially at the Jones Assembly, we like, we like to get a little drunk on frosé. Um, Sorry, I just can't help. There's myself. also gummy bear in the bottom. It's great. Okay, so I mean, I would drink it. We're like halfway through this concert feeling really good the show is a lot of fun and a man comes up to us and it is my 11th grade english teacher his name is mr walmart i have no idea what to do because um, i'm 27 now and the last time i saw him i was 17 so you, did you try to hide your frosé behind your back? No, I was done drinking. I was riding the high, though. Um, so I was like, what do you call... In my brain, I was like, what do you call him? What do you call him? His name is Brandon, but also he was your teacher. So I just go for Mr. Wilmarth. I say hello. <laughs> because it's weird to call your teacher it's by the first name. so weird. Yep, it is. So I'll we're chatting, that. and he tells me um, that... So we had some folks come to our live event from more public schools and so from what it sounded like um, because it was really loud so I only heard like you can only hear some stuff um, someone was talking about the podcast near where he works and they were telling him like who was on it and he was like that's one of my old students. Like Alyssa, Alyssa is one of my old students. Oh my gosh, you got recognized uh-huh. by your teacher? Uh, well, I mean, I got recognized for my teacher because he recognized my face, not because I was on the podcast. <laughs> well, still. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, I'm so excited to listen. You've got yourself a new subscriber. I've already subscribed. And I was like, great. We hugged. He left. I come off my froze high. <laughs> About an hour later, and we're waiting for our Uber, and it occurs to me that my 11th grade English teacher is going to hear me review the alien sex book. (laughs) That's what every 11th grade teacher should listen to, is their students Uh reviewing. Yeah. Um, Obscure sex. That's going to be my legacy now. Because I forget when we record this, so like other people will hear it. Like this is just happening. Because we sit here in a room by ourselves yeah. and just yammer on about whatever. We're just sitting in this room. It's fine. No one I know that I don't like dole it out to is going to like my friends listen. But that's fine. But like I don't let other people hear it that I don't want hearing it. Like my mom wanted to send links to my grandma and right. I said no. Right. We had that discussion <laughs> already. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, my 11th grade English teacher is going to hear me review the alien sex book. So I'm sorry, Mr. Wilmarth. Hey, he but might really like that. You can't judge him. That's He's an adult. in the works. 
And you're so, an adult. I mean, yeah, but I there's am. something about knowing that your teacher likes an alien sex book that's just wrong in your head. This is no going matter- in a direction I don't want it to go. <laughs> Stop it. No matter what Stop age it. you are. <laughs> oh, no. Alyssa's going to have nightmares now. That's like thinking Her about anxiety. your parents having sex. Her it ang- just doesn't happen. Her anxiety closet is going to have Mr. Wilmerth coming out of it. Alien <laughs> yeah. so, sex is good. That happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> whoop, whoop. So, hi, Mr. Wilmerth. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> Does well, he hey, call into our I'm, forty to sixty year old? Yeah, I was going to say five. We're I up to five. <laughs> I don't know how old he is. He's male. He's an adult. We'll include him. <laughs> We'll include it. It's allowed. Who knew Alyssa had those things going on in her head when she was sitting in my class? Oh, That's my God. Great. Some people doodle unicorns, not Alyssa. Nope. She's got dildos on her page. That is dildos. not what was happening in 11th grade. In, in, alien, in alien outfits. No. <laughs> this is getting Ooh. out of control. <laughs> I can't make the alien sound. Doi. That doesn't sound like an alien. I, I can't. I can't. What think. are you doing? I'm trying to make alien sex sounds. Martha, you are no longer no longer allowed to eat breakfast before you come to the podcast. Yes, I just had too much energy, huh? It's too much bacon. It's because you didn't share your bacon with us. We could all be on that level if we had bacon. Look, I'm awake, and that's what's important. Thank you, daylight savings time. <laughs> Stupid daylight savings. No, this is the good one. Yeah, you're saying that now, but tonight at four o'clock when it gets dark, you're not going to be happy. I live That's alone. True. I can go to sleep whenever I want to. That's true. Yeah. You guys suck. <laughs> you can go. You're an adult. You can go to sleep whenever you want to. Ron's not stopping you. I get judged for going to bed so? too early. Who cares? It's not like he caught you reading an alien sex book. Yeah. Well, he might be into it. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. I think I'll go home now. Woo! <laughs> alien sex. Hey, baby. How are you doing? Hey, honey. Maybe he'll have, maybe, you know, the whole, we could, we could role play. I don't want to know anymore. This is kind of like the whole teacher thing. Okay. I can't that. listen. All right. Okay. And on that note, that's going to do it for Three, three book, book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Join the conversation on Facebook and follow them on Twitter and Instagram. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.